Hi, I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We attended the Higher Things Beyond Reasonable Doubt conference at SIU Carbondale, which took place July 18th through the 21st. Higher Things is a recognized service organization that makes the gifts of Christ Jesus known to youth and young adults. Each summer, Higher Things hosts conferences where youth pray and learn together. We had the opportunity to visit with conference attendees and speakers. In this episode, you'll hear one of those conversations at Higher Things Beyond Reasonable Doubt. Thanks for listening to the Coffee Hour. You're listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for your support of the Coffee Hour. You can find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. We are at the Higher Things Conference Beyond Reasonable Doubt at SIU Carbondale, which means we get to hang out with some of our favorite people that we get to meet here and meet again or see in person, which is super fun. So joining us today during Bach Week to talk about music and Bach and cantors and all of those related topics, Mr. Paul Solek, cantor of St. John Lutheran Church in Seward, Nebraska, and cantor for Higher Things. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. And Renata Peppercorn, Higher Things summer cantoral intern. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. And we're going we're gonna to get to what a cantoral intern is in just a second, because that is... I don't think I've ever seen that term before, but let's talk about the duties of a cantor at a higher things conference. What are, what does your day look like as a cantor? Well, the day starts actually in the the year before it. So we're planning all of the things that we need to do for the week, but a higher things conference is usually four action packed days. And before we start on that opening service Tuesday, we've had several months of planning all the themes and working on all of the music and getting things together. But here at the conference, what I'm actually doing a lot of is playing the organ, leading people in song as the cantor. That's the the definition of cantor. And also directing choirs, working with instrumentalists, and answering questions because we all teach some breakaway sessions too. Mm -hmm. So being a resource to those who are here, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. If Bach were alive, would he be a higher <gasps> things cantor, you think? You know, probably wouldn't be because <laughs> we we know a little bit about personality things. And I don't know that Bach would have really had a great time with hundreds of caffeinated high school students. So I'm speaking for the man, about the man, I guess. But but maybe he would. The, his skill set definitely matches up. Higher things also, we recognize kids are on vacation. And so that part of things, there's a lot of flexibility that's necessary and a lot of really good singing often in parts. So mm-hmm. maybe he would have had a good time with it. Who knows? I want to know what cantata he would have composed for a higher things closing divine service. I don't know what that would mm. be, but. That mm. is, it, it's a very interesting thing to think about. We always <laughs> have some newly composed things as part of higher things. That's part of my role, too, is composing and arranging. So I am no J.S. Bach, but I would <laughs> like to think that he would have seen, here's the hymn of the day, and let's write something cool for the instruments that we have at our disposal, which was always a big deal about Baroque music and what Bach was doing. He was using what he had, because that's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. So many questions now that I get to, like, that are just coming to mind about what you get to do as cantor for Higher Things. Let's uh, help people understand who have not attended a Higher Things conference what worship looks like, sounds like, especially from the cantor's perspective. 
Very much. So we have an opening divine service and a closing divine service as part of that. And then on a normal full day, where we have really two of those, we start the day with matins or morning prayer. We have vespers midday, and then we have evening prayer. And those are things that we all do together in our worship space. And the groups themselves get together in their individual church groups, usually around 10 to 20 people. Sometimes they'll get together and they'll do compliment at the end of the day. So four services a day, really, which to the outside world sounds a little bit crazy. But if you attend any of them and you hear the singing, there's nothing very crazy about it. And the kids are really into it. If somebody shows them how to appreciate that, they will. And this is a place where they can come and do that. And even unfamiliar hymns from maybe their particular congregation are easy to sing here. Mm-hmm. And that's that's part of the fun of getting to introduce some new things, compose some new things for them, and really, really help them take the, the grasp and ownership of that. What is it like to plan that many services for this four-day period? It's usually in the middle of winter, so I know that all of the hymns and services were done on a snow day for both <laughs> Pastor Ill and myself. He's the worship coordinator for Higher Things. So we worked together closely to plan the themes. So the conference theme itself really is is our guiding idea. So that really the readings that relating to the doubt of Thomas, Easter mm-hmm. 2 in the three-year lectionary, that was our starting point this year. The Ascension of Jesus and that I am with you evermore is the bookend on the Friday Divine Service. And then between that, the themes that kind of come out of that. So we we're looking at all of those things and we try to do it in a big chunk. So in our minds, we can be thinking about what's coming up next. What will they have heard this morning? And then work that together. And you can always change that plan, but only if you have one. So there's a lot of back and forth between Pastor Ill and myself and then other worship people that are involved. So it's a really collaborative process. Yeah, and you can tell that you put you guys put a lot of effort into that. That each service is its own little thing with with its own theme, but they all fit nicely into the overall conference theme. So so you guys do a really great job with with that worship planning. But you also being a cantor of a conference means that you don't just get to play in the same space every Sunday. You get to deal with all of the extra logistics of being in a different conference center, university, et cetera, for worship. What is that like dealing with different, if you have an organ, which we have here, and it's, I, I'm assuming it's a nice instrument. Very nice. Here we have an organ. You don't always get an organ, like a real organ to play on. What is that like dealing with all those logistics of, of each conference site? <laughs> I think my own technical nerdiness and love of organ-related things is a pretty good fit for this because we have <laughs> had times where we've either needed to rent an electronic instrument to bring it in And sometimes last two years ago, the electronic instrument gave up right before the closing divine service. (laughs) So we needed to hook up a MIDI keyboard to a synthesizer into the sound system and make that happen. And it worked at the last minute. That was that was fun. It's a huge adrenaline rush with any of this, because like you said, you don't know what you're going to get. These places that that we're at this year, both facilities have a great pipe organ. Mm -hmm. They have spaces that weren't necessarily designed for this kind of large conference worship, but they work very well. And when at at higher things, the cantor is really responsible for the overall musical thing. So all of the, the organ and the choir and things like that. And so having someone else who can also play and direct is a a big deal because these were not designed so that the organist can sit in the middle and do all the things. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very nice to have assistance. And we also have several students that will play a prelude or postlude or a hymn during the service. And we try really hard to encourage the next 
generation coming up too. And you're not just on the organ bench as cantor, right? Right, <laughs> right. So the cantor meaning leader of the people's song means we're working with the choirs and the instrumentalists and things too. This year, having a cantoral intern, Renata hey. Peppercorn, we're excited that she is here. So we've split up some of the playing and the directing responsibilities. And then we're also doing two breakaway sessions about church music and the hymnody that we're singing at the conference. All right. So cantoral intern, have you ever used this phrase before? Or is this was like this term created? Just I totally came up with it and <laughs> it probably will never be used again, but I thought it worked. <laughs> So Renata is is a, a very good fit for this being a church music major, and she's one of our students at Concordia, Nebraska, and has a really good skill set that works well with the youth and also has the playing and the directing experience. And she is getting so much experience doing that here. We're excited. <laughs> so tell us about being a cantoral intern. What are some of the things you've gotten to do? What have been your responsibilities as an intern? So basically, I, as the cantoral intern, kind of just get to fill in all the gaps that you can't really do with one person. So, for instance, at the opening service, while Cantor Sulik was at the organ, I was directing the choir, which was very nice in this space because the organ is completely off to the side and not really visible from where the choir was. So that meant that I helped lead the opening choir rehearsal and then during the service was in charge of directing the choir. In addition to that, I get to play for a couple services, and I played for a couple of the hymns in the opening and closing service. Yeah, very nice to have that experience. As a now, what what year are you at, at Concordia, Nebraska? I just finished my senior year, and I'm going into my last semester where I'll be student teaching. I'm getting a double major in music education and church music. Awesome. So, how does this experience fit into? your formation as a church musician, having having this kind of really unique experience at a conference, working with youth, working with with Paul, all of this, all of this stuff. How does this fit into your formation as a church musician? This is kind of bringing everything together in kind of one intense week, or I guess two intense weeks. Mm. And so it's using all the skills, so working with choirs and teaching in the breakaways and also getting to play the organ. So it's kind of doing all of them and getting lots of reps. Since as he already mentioned, there's three, four services every single day. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned all the things you get to do from the balcony, from the loft in the, the worship space. You also mentioned teaching. Tell us a little bit about what you get to teach as cantoral intern and as cantor. What are some of the things that you've been teaching in the breakaway sessions? So we have two sessions. One of them is what it means to be a cantor in which we kind of talk about what we're talking about right now. So kind of going through the duties of a cantor and then talking about how you select hymns and talking about organs. So that's one breakaway that we teach together. And then the other one is going through eight of the conference hymns and talking about their backgrounds, looking at the text and kind of doing a little deeper dive into those. That sounds fun. Like digging into hymns. We like oh, wait, that. We like to do that on the coffee hour. That's why it sounds fun. <laughs> We do that all the time. What's the response of the students that when you lead these sessions and digging into hymns or talking about the, the vocation, the role of Cantor, what have been some of the responses you've had from the students? We've had very good responses. I mean, just today, we got to teach these both for the first time. And the hymnody one, there was a lot of kind of back and forth. So we were talking about the hymns, kind of looking at the texts, getting them to see how hymns bring together kind of both Old Testament and New Testament pictures, combining with the doctrine. And getting to sing the hymns, which everybody seems Ooh. to like to do. 
Kendra Solik, anything you want to add to that? And for students that are looking into vocational tracks, a lot of them being juniors or seniors, they're thinking about what they're going to do next, and they're asking about what it is to do all of these things. And so getting to talk to them and encourage them about doing either visits for colleges if they're looking at that, mm. or if they're just thinking about doing some other vocational thing but still being a cantor, because you, you don't need to be doing that full-time. That's, that's a vocational thought that doesn't necessarily just relate to 40 hours a week in mm. a benefits package. It's only 40 hours a week? <laughs> uh, we'll put 40 hours on paper. Yes. <laughs> we are talking with Paul Solek and Renata Peppercorn about being a cantor and a cantoral intern and also Bach because it's Bach week at the Higher Things Convention in Carbondale. We will be right back. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. We are at the Higher Things Conference at SIU Carbondale, talking with Paul Solek, Cantor of St. John Lutheran Church in Seward, Nebraska, and Cantor for Higher Things, and Renata Peppercorn, Higher Things Summer Cantoral Intern, talking about all things cantering at a church and also at a conference at a convention center. And also, we're going to get into Bach as well because it's Bach week. I want to dig into your breakaway sessions a little bit more, though, especially hymnody. Why teach young people about hymnody beyond just singing the hymns? Why is it important to teach the background of these hymns, what these hymns actually, where they are in history and what they mean to us? Well, I think the idea that hymns came from a certain time and a place, they were written by people that are like us, that are sinners and are saints. They were not just living their best lives now. A lot of times <laughs> it was the challenges and the hardship that brought the things out. And so today, getting to talk about the different authors of at least eight of them, but also regularly digging into those things, wondering why a hymn has this certain bent. What What is their background? Asking those questions and hopefully inspiring the youth to think about that when they're doing something. Is this sung in the first person? Is this in a third person thing? Can I identify with this? How does the author bring me into the text? And those were the kind of things that Renata and I asked today as we presented. All right, next Bach question. Ooh. Let's talk about your formation as a cantoral intern and your church music program and music education program. How has Bach been an influence in your formation? <laughs> Well, as an organ student, I can say I've played a lot of Bach. <laughs> Even just this last spring, I had my senior recital, and Bach was right right smack dab in the middle. I played the prelude and fugue, the in E minor, the wedge, which was a great, fun piece to play. We've also gotten to sing some Bach in the choir, including the a cappella choir sang the second curie from Bach's B minor mass, which mm -hmm. I had the privilege to conduct, which was super fun. 
So lots of Bach present this year. <laughs> As a church musician, sometimes one might focus just on organ or just on voice. Sounds like you're getting to do both, enjoying voice and choir and organ as well, which sounds like Bach, right? <laughs> exactly. Why is it important to you to 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 be able to 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 be able to lead a choir, to be able to play the organ as well, and whatever other ways you might serve in church music. Well, as Cantor Solo has already mentioned some, Cantor is leader of the people's song. And while that, you know, lots of times we think that just means leading from the organ, that means you need to understand singing, how people sing and how that works. And so the choir is really just a small segment of the main singing group of people, which is the congregation. And so kind of having those both play back and forth, I think, is really important in learning how to be a cantor. Are there things that you've learned as you as you learn Bach's music to play and to sing? Are there things that you've learned from Bach's music that help in your formation of a church musician? Um, I think definitely patience is a big one. <laughs> you know, if, if anybody's, you know, tried to learn a new Bach fugue, it definitely takes a lot of long practice hours to get that all put together. But then when it comes together, it's it's very enjoyable. And so that's kind of the, you know, a part of it, I guess. So what makes Bach's music harder, can I say, or more challenging, more unique as as maybe a subset of music that you learn how to play as a church music student? Well, a big part of box music is that it is polyphonic, as it occurred during the Baroque era. And so both playing it on the organ and trying to teach it to a choir is very different than some of the music we're used to singing, Mm -hmm. where it has one clear melody line and accompanying chords. Bach has melody lines all over the place in all of the voices. And so it kind of involves you being able to kind of split your brain into a bunch of different parts and pick out these melodies as they're flying all over the place. That sounds challenging. I'm glad you're good at that. <laughs> so you mentioned music education as well. What have you enjoyed? I know you haven't done student teaching yet. What are you looking forward to with student teaching and what you've been learning over the last few years? I guess I'm looking forward to actually getting to do it. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, We've gotten to have some opportunities for field work and so getting to do a little bit of teaching here and there. But it's different when you're going in once a week to a classroom versus going in every single day. So mm-hmm. kind of being able to go in consistently to actually form a connection with students is what I'm looking forward to. What's it like for you as a cantor <laughs> seeing an intern like this? And man, what a great answer about the, <laughs> the leading the congregation in song, leading the church in song as well. What's it like for you to have an intern and, and get to see someone in their formation and, and growing like this? Nope. Renata obviously has listened in class. Uh, we use we use that phrase quite often. This last semester with church music administration, Renata and her six peers in that class that I teach at Concordia, there's a big emphasis on that being the the primary thing that's going on. So seeing that here is is really really cool. And this is the first time we've had a cantoral intern at Tire Things, and we're grateful for the staff here for encouraging that. And I think it's really important for the high school students to see that it's not just people with advanced degrees in these things that have been doing them for a long time, and that there is kind of an on-ramp to doing this too, and that that we're open to how that formation process works. So it's really exciting for me because I've gotten to see Renata during her time at Concordia, and as, as she grows and as she enjoys actually being with people and leading them in song, which is always the goal, the technical things and are are one thing, but you have to put that in with a personality that that cares, a personality that loves people, 
And Paul Mons talked about that. Love your people was the big, mm. was his big encouragement to church musicians. And so in watching Renata and her peers do that, that is one of the greatest joys of a, of a teacher is when you can see that light turn on and then see them do that just naturally. Yeah. What role does Bach play in your teaching your church music students, your organ students, because you teach organ as well, organ right. lessons as well. What role does Bach play in all of the the formation that, that you're on the other side of being the one that's doing the formation? Right. And Bach wrote music at many different levels. So everything mm. that Bach wrote is not necessarily something that requires a large amount of degree or th- there are things that people that are even in, in eighth grade are picking up now and learning the organ, learning uh, the little preludes and fugues. And as they go on, they learn part of the Orgobekline, which is mm. the organ book, which is hymn tunes that are set in ways that Bach did for his students. So you're carrying on a tradition that's been set. And I think it's the best time to be alive in church music <laughs> because we have all of these people in the back and in the current time where we get to use all of those things together. And Bach mm. laid out some really, really neat things. And it's really neat to use those with choirs today to point back to what he's been doing and then kind of add our own flavor and twist to that too. So in addition to your duties in leading the congregation in song here at Higher Things, do you have other duties outside of the services and and maybe teaching some breakaways? Do you have any other duties like during the entertainment time as well? (laughs) I feel like that may be a little bit of a posed question, but last night we together judged the chant off, oh, which is oh, a, a popular songs that are set to LSB chant formulas. Some are better than others, and it is a unique experience <laughs> that cannot be described. It must be experienced. There is also a talent show at Higher Things, which is very, very popular. And we have all sorts of things there. We look forward to, to doing that. So we we make it a big point that the church musicians that are here, that both the cantor and the cantoral intern, we are here for the conference and for the participants, and that we interact with them in many and various ways. <laughs> <laughs> what is that like judging the chant up? I haven't actually experienced I chant haven't. Up. I feel like we need an example. Well, <laughs> I really, I am a little speechless at this moment because I, I just imagine any of your popular top 40 popular hits that are appropriate. Uh, Uh, There is a, you know, an editorial process involved in this, but, or or a few, you know, older songs, but I can't help falling in love with you. Set that to LSB tone B and they're given, they're not really given practice time. But they they get to go up. Renata was the organizer of the chant-off this year. Oh. Was that all the fun that you thought it would be, Renata? It's everything I dreamed of and more. <laughs> it's great. We did not prepare her adequately for that at Concordia necessarily, uh, but she took up the charge quite well. There was no class in, in how to organize a chant-off. Is can't that... say I must have missed it if there was. <laughs> I think next year in my class we will have to take take that on. <laughs> what is that like, though, to bring church music to... I mean, to have fun with it. What does that, what does that mean to just, to, to take something that, I don't know, not everyone may, it may not be everyone's cup of tea, but to take something and make it, make it fun like that for people. What is that like for you guys to be able to do that? I think it's very interesting because it kind of shows how chanting really emphasizes the words 
And so when people mm-hmm. are singing kind of a lot of the nonsense syllables, like the beginning of Hooked on a Feeling, Uba Chaka Uba, and you're <laughs> chanting that, <laughs> everybody's just dying laughing because all of a sudden you're like, ah, this is just completely crazy. So very enjoyable. Great point. Great point. I love that. Yeah. It's a definite combination of the sacred and profane. Some people (laughs) like it, others don't, but that is one of the many entertainment options. If you didn't like that, you could just visit the petting zoo. (laughs) Which also sounds really fun. I'm I'm sad I missed the petting zoo. But anyway, what are are some of the highlights that you've had where where just a couple of days, Andy is dying over here. What are some of the highlights from the last couple of days, from the preparation of actually being able to do this? Andy's cry laughing right now. Highlights from the conference or, or things that you're looking forward to in the, in the next couple of days for both of you guys. Definitely just hearing, hearing everybody sing. I mean, there's nothing quite like, you know, going and singing these hymns that you sing every day in your congregation. And then all of a sudden there's 1150 youth singing it together. And, you know, and this isn't just like people half-hearted singing. No, they're going for it. And mm-hmm. that's wonderful to hear. Mm-hmm. And seeing the idea that preparation is great, but it really needs a voice and lungs to give it that breath. Mm -hmm. And so to hear that actually take on the thing, this isn't something just working on a shelf that's put up there. Church music is something that's meant for the rubber to hit the road to actually impact and influence people's lives. And so as we're singing, Lord, the I love with all my heart today at the end. I was crying, man. And a lot of people were, but we managed to get through it. It was still loud at the end. And I will praise thee without end. And then from death awaken me. You you can't fully, that, that isn't something to just, yes, here and now what's the next thing. That was very, very Im- impactful. Mm-hmm. And to hear those kind of moments and to know that some of these kids, that might have been the first time they sang that hymn. And, and we hope it's not the last. Yeah. We have just about a minute left for the student who might be interested in being a cantoral intern before, mm. what, what advice would you give them? Practice and sing. Probably sing first, but keep singing wherever you are because the first thing to be doing is to think like a singer. And then for someone like Renata, who's come into that in a college program way, you put keyboard instruments and conducting skills and all of those things with it. But it all starts with a human voice and the people's song. And it starts with the gospel because that's what we're, we're singing. We're singing that Jesus has come and he's come for us. Renata, any advice to someone who might be interested in being a cantoral intern in the future? Sing and practice. I don't know. Go in your congregations. Be with the people. And don't take yourself too seriously. That too. Mm. That's also important. Mm. Have a chant off. That will Yeah, that, that, that right will take care of that. Yes, yes. Paul Solick, cantor of St. John Lutheran Church in Seward, Nebraska, and cantor for Higher Things. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Renata Peppercorn, Higher Things Summer Cantoral Intern. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere.